obviously like all the rumors and stuff uh is a little distracting but we try to keep our focus on everything at practice and putting our work in break is over. Messi mania continues with more news and rumors, and Inter-Miami is on the verge of making unwanted history. Hello everyone, hola a todos, welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, a bilingual Inter-Miami focused podcast where the beautiful game collides with passion and analysis. Here we provide you with all the latest team news, opinions, inside information, analysis, general punditry, and much more via a team of seasoned South Florida-based reporters. My name is Franco Panizo. I am one of your usual co-hosts. The other two regular co-hosts are not here. But no worries because I have a very special guest, someone that might be making frequent appearances going forward. And yes, he is English, but no... He is not Steve El Primo Brenner. We are talking about Simon Evans, a longtime colleague and a friend of mine. Simon, I know you've listened to the pod for a while, so welcome to Miami Total Football Radio. How are, <laughs> how are you doing today? I will not ask you to roll your R's just yet, but that challenge will come down the road. But for now, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Franco. Thanks, and thanks for having me uh, on the podcast. Yeah, I've been a long-time listener. I had, I, I was sat uh, in the cold winters in England and uh, listening <laughs> to this podcast and listening to you and Primo have some fun. I'm afraid I can't match Primo's sharp wit, but uh, I'll do my best to uh, keep us all entertained, hopefully. Hey, I listen, listen. Primo was, you know, I don't know if he was a fan favorite or a listener favorite or someone that the listeners didn't like. You know, there was all different types of opinions about El Primo, but he, you know, he, he had his wit to him for sure. But I think, knowing you, I think we'll, we'll have some of that wit with probably a bit more analysis because we've gone way back. We've covered U.S. Men's National yeah, Team. Yeah. We've, you know, we go back more than a decade. I remember, you know, being in the Northeast when I first moved up there and you, I, and, and Ives Galarsep. We're at different events, um, so we go way back. Tell the people a little bit more about your background as a journalist covering the beautiful game. Wow, yeah, so it uh, it goes back a bit now. Yeah, I've, I've worked uh, mostly for news agencies, uh, Reuters for 20-odd for years, and I'm now with uh, AFP, the French news agency, international news agency, um, and I covered... started covering soccer in Eastern Europe. I was based in Budapest in the... Uh, mid to late 90s, and then I uh, moved to Italy, covered Serie A, AC Milan, Juventus, Inter Milan, and the Italian national team up until 2006 when the Italians won the World Cup, and then we had the Calciopoli scandal there, and I thought that was a good time to move on. Moved to Miami in 2007, and uh, yeah, was here until about six years ago, so I, I worked a lot on the story of, uh, you know, Jose was mentioning it in the last podcast of yours about, you know, showing some respect to those people who who worked hard to keep pushing for a franchise to come to Miami. You know, the guys from the Southern Legion. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I knew those guys pretty well at the time because we were covering stories about will there, won't there be a franchise? Where will the stadium be? Is it going to be, you know, next to the American Airlines Arena? Where's it? All those stories, interviewing Garber interviewing Beckham about when is it going to happen. And then when it finally happened, I, 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 I was actually in uh, 
back in England. So I spent five or six years back in England covering the Premier League and Champions League for Reuters. I moved back to South Florida, um, not too far away from the stadium in Broward County um, in October. So I've been back uh, covering MLS, but covering uh, other sports as well. So, yeah, that's it. That's a, that's a nice little resume you got there, my friend. Covered all different levels of the sport in all different parts of the world. So, uh, yeah, Simon is as uh, experienced and as well-versed in the beautiful game as any of us here on Miami Dolphin Football Radio. I think he will bring a lot to the table. Again, maybe not as much wit as El Primo with his dry sense of humor and his sarcasm, but... <laughs> I think Simon will add a lot to the pod. Simon, where can people find you on Twitter? At SG Evans on Twitter. Nice and easy. Nice and easy. Okay, well, with the pleasantries aside and your introduction aside, we've got a lot to talk about with regards to Inter Miami. They didn't play a game over the weekend, but there's so much still going on with the team. There's rumors. There's news. There's stadium expansion. There's... Uh, game coming up this weekend, which Inter Miami needs uh, a win in to avoid making history. So, a lot to dissect, a lot to talk about. Simon, I know we've been trying to get you on for a while now, so you're finally on. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. Let's get to it. All right, listeners. So, Inter Miami had a bye week. They were off this past weekend. No MLS games for the South Florida side as they continue to ramp up for the arrival of Lionel Messi. Yes, that is still very, very real. It's surreal, but it's real. Messi will be an Inter-Miami player. It's just a matter of dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Simon, we're going to dive into some of the newer items that came about with regards to Messi's deal, when he's expected to play and all that, but just quickly give me your thoughts. What are your thoughts on his arrival to MLS and to Inter Miami. Well, it's huge, isn't it? I mean, you know, as as you all said on the last podcast, it changes everything. Um, it's a transformative uh, signing. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to cause so many uh, challenges, I think, as well for Inter Miami and for MLS and basically for the whole soccer infrastructure and ecosystem in in North America. Really, to to deal with this, all the clubs are looking at where are they going to play their games when Messi comes. Um, so, so many issues that it, it causes, so many positive uh, outcomes that could come from it, but a lot of things that people need to, to to raise their game to as well, you know, on so many levels. Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a big, big spotlight and everything's going to be under the microscope with Messi here. Like I mentioned, I think, on the last pod. And, you know, that goes for Inter-Miami as a team. That goes for the coaching staff. That goes for uh, the marketing department. That goes for... The sales department that goes for anybody that's around this team. And it goes for us as well and the way we ask questions and yep. how we cover the team. I think everything's going to be under the microscope. So it's going to bring a lot of attention and it's going to bring a lot of either praise, criticism, depends on how people view things. But it's definitely, definitely going to make for a very interesting few years. And we say years because Source told us earlier this week that it is a two and a half year deal. For Lionel Messi, worth fifty to sixty million dollars per year, he has an option for twenty twenty six. So that two and a half year deal could extend to three and a half years. So it has, you know, all the salary. It has bonuses that Messi uh, can 
can hit. And he will also have, this is confirmed by sources close to the negotiate sources close to the negotiations. He will get a percentage of ownership into Inter Miami once he calls it a career and hangs up his cleats, his boots, su chimpunes. It's an interesting deal. You know, he's going to get a piece of the pie from Adidas, a piece of the pie from Apple. Uh, so it's a healthy deal for for Messi. Uh, Jorge Mas did speak to us earlier this week. Select media. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't part of the select media. No. Now that you're on Miami Total Football Radio, maybe you know we'll get you in there. We'll get you in there. A little wink, wink there for you, Simon. Um, but yes, uh, you know we spoke to Jorge Mas, and and he did call this a seminal moment. It was the first time he had spoken publicly uh, in a while, um, and obviously it's the first time he's spoken since Messi had announced his plans to sign with the Herons. So, what what do you make of the contract? What do you make? Is, is it what you expected? Any surprises or? Yeah, I mean the option for 2026 is an interesting one, isn't it? Because you know that's that's going to be a, for me a big question is is Messi going to be using this time in the United States to keep himself in a condition and a position where if he decides he does want to play in another World Cup, and I know he said he doesn't want to, and that's his official line at the moment, but. You know, we've seen this before in football, haven't we, where famous players have said, that's it, that's my last World Cup. And then when it gets nearer and nearer and they're still playing okay and the coach calls them and the nation starts calling and everything, is it completely out of the question? I don't think it is. So that option to play in 2026 raises the question, you know, how does this end? Does it end with Messi saying farewell to the game altogether the year before a World Cup? I find that a little bit hard to believe, but maybe that's what's going to happen. Or maybe things go so well for him in Miami and he's feeling fit and he's feeling ready and he feels acclimatized so well to North America that he thinks, yeah, this is the way to go out. Go and win another World Cup in North America. So that that's the interesting part of it, that option, I think. The rest of it, the money, you know, I mean, it's a lot of money, um, huge amount of money for into Miami and MLS, of course, but it's still, you know, the thing that I think anyone can always say to people around the world who wonder why Messi has come here is it's still a lot less than he could have got in Saudi Arabia, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's not chump change either. He's getting a good chunk of coin there uh, across the board and getting equity into Inter Miami when his career yeah, So it's, it's a legacy. That's, I, think that's, I think that to me is the biggest, uh, not surprise, but like the, the biggest... We knew he was going to get paid. We knew there was going to be, you know, different deals from different companies to, to help sweeten everything. But the ownership part, which had been mentioned for, for a little bit now, but that, that part, that having that from sources, again, close to the negotiations, I think that is that, that says that he's not going to be here just to make an impact as a player. Like, obviously, he's going to look out for the financial well-being of his family in the very, very long term, as if they're probably not already... Um, well off already for the long term, but it, it will cement an even bigger legacy, I think, with regards to his impact in the sport, yeah. especially in this country. Yeah, I mean, actually, when you think about it, there's, a, there's a, a thread runs all the way back to when David Beckham came to the Los Angeles Galaxy mm -hmm. in 2007. And of course, his contract, which is the only other contract I think that we've mm -hmm. seen in MLS that included um, the right to buy and own a franchise in MLS. That was a part of the Beckham deal. That was really the the, the one that got it over the line. Um, so Beckham 
you know, that line continues. Beckham uses that element of his contract to create a franchise in Miami, and then they use a similar technique to lure Lionel Messi there. And the end result will be that when Messi stops playing, there will be a franchise, a major league soccer franchise in Miami, which will be co-owned, minority owners, but co-owned by David Beckham and Lionel Messi. And if you think about that, if you go back to those dark days in South Florida when we were hanging around the back of uh, the stand after Fort Lauderdale Strikers games with 200 fans there or Miami FC in the NASL and mm-hmm. so on and, and, and said that, you know, in 10, 10 12 years' time, there's going to be a team, in MLS team in Miami. I probably would have believed you. There's going to be an MLS team in Miami owned by David Beckham and Messi. I would have probably said you're kidding yourself. <laughs> Not even in FIFA or any video game could you probably <laughs> have come up with that storyline. But alas, again, surreal but real. Surreal yep. but real. And listen, listeners, Simon knows his stuff. He knows the game. He's got history. I'm already impressed and it's only been a few minutes. But I, I expected this from you, Simon. But still, nonetheless, impressed. Impressed. Uh, with regards to his arrival here. We still don't know yet exactly when he's going to get to South Florida. Right now he's he's in if I'm not mistaken, he's in Argentina in Rosario vacationing or having some downtime with his family. I believe somebody on Twitter I think today, I saw a video of him riding a bike in the neighborhood and uh, I believe he was with his family and surprisingly, not a whole bunch of people swarming around him or trying to chase him or anything like that, but there was a video of him on a bike and he he looked back and waved at the people with the with the camera. Uh that said, while we don't know when he will touch down in Miami, we do know that he is expected to play, and again, sources close to the negotiations and to the planning told us this this week, he is expected to play in that July 21st game against Cruz Azul. That should be when Lionel Messi makes not his MLS debut, but his Inter-Miami debut. And... Tickets for that game, well, as you can imagine, they've gone through the roof, as that is what is expected to be, again, his his debut game. It's not an MLS match. It is a Leaks Cup game. It's the, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it happens on the same night that the U.S. Women's National Team opens their World Cup. What are your thoughts on him getting started in July and getting started against a Mexican team? This, I'm sure this was part of the plan, right? Because... It's not just an MLS game, so it's not just MLS eyeballs that are going to be on this. You're going to get eyeballs in Mexico. I'm sure this was carefully orchestrated and carefully thought of as they did it. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this, this expanded league scope, I mean, the name's not new, but the, the format with every team in Liga MX and every team in MLS in it, um, it's a really big deal this year. There's quite a lot of money and sponsorship gone behind it. It's just a dream for this new tournament um, to have Messi launch it effectively. He's effectively launching a new tournament uh, there. So people, anyone who didn't know what the League's Cup was, and, and let's face it, MLS has had a few goals at these kind of things, haven't they? There's been like Interliga and mm-hmm. Super and Copa, this and you know all these different attempts to 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 link in uh, MLS and Mexican clubs and and draw draw upon that huge base of Mexican-American fans in the country, um, and they never really quite caught on. This one looks an interesting format, and it's got everyone involved, like a World Cup tournament format and so on. 
So to have Messi come in and launch it is just a dream come true for MLS and for Liga MX. So, you know, that's a huge thing. The one interesting thing about that date is it's two days after the MLS All-Star game in Washington, D.C., between the MLS All-Star side and Arsenal, the Premier League. I find it really hard to believe that Messi is going to be in the United States ready to go for his Inter-Miami debut but he's not going to have anything to do with that all-star game. Do you? Do you? No, I mean, I mean, no he's definitely going to play a part in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if he plays the in the game. challenges at least, Something. even if he doesn't line up. Something. Know? Yeah, and there's definitely been a report, I, I believe it was in The Athletic, that, that said that MLS is working with Messi and, and his people to determine how he takes part in that. Because, listen, we've been around MLS a long time. Um, the MLS all-star game is essentially just like most, if not all, all-star games in professional sports here in the United States, right. it's essentially just a marketing ploy. It's just a way to promote the biggest stars, the game, get a lot of cameras, have a few events, get everyone from the league together in one area for a couple of days. So, yes, absolutely, He, I fully expect he will take part in some way, shape, or form. Ideally, you know, I must probably get him to play in it. Maybe not. Maybe uh, in Inter-Miami and... Jorge Mas will say, no, 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 listen, he needs to be healthy for that Friday game. Um, which, by the way, if I'm a Cruz Azul player, you're going to be up for that game, right? You're going to be oh, up yeah. for playing against oh, yeah. against Messi in his first competitive match uh, as a, on a club team in North America. So that that's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they play against him, how he does in his first match, getting used to his new teammates. Um, so it'll be fascinating. It'll be fascinating. Speaking of... Well, before we get to new teammates of Messi's, we're going to talk about one stadium aspect. Because, again, tickets demands are through the roof since Messi made that announcement almost two weeks ago. Or exactly two weeks ago. It was recording on a Wednesday. Drive Pink Stadium will have a stadium expansion. Jorge Mas said earlier this week again in that local media interview that you weren't invited to uh, <laughs> that they will increase capacity around 3,000 to 3,200 seats. So that Filling will, in the corners, right? They're filling in the corners. That, that's, that's what I've heard that they're probably going to fill in um, at least three out of the four corners. Uh, and, you know, these, Jorge Mas said they're working on that and they should have that done within the next four weeks. And he expects every game to be sold out. So the capacity now will be around... 22,200 gives a few more people a chance to see Messi up close and personal. Obviously, it will be at a, uh, you know, I won't say a costly price, but it won't be a cheap. It won't be cheap. Uh, I know you're not too thrilled at the fact that it's still, relatively speaking, a smaller venue that, you know, there's such a high demand. You could get more people to see Messi up close and personal on a consistent basis, but obviously that, that hasn't panned out because of scheduling conflicts and, and other details. I don't know if you have anything else you want to share with regards to them not going to Hard well, Rock Stadium, you know, but it, I mean, it, it, it's, I know you're not too thrilled about that. Well, I just think, I just think it's a shame if, if, you know, there's finally, there's going to be like this huge demand to watch club soccer in South Florida. And there's no way of meeting that demand. And there is a way of meeting that demand. You know, they, they could sell out three times that stadium, right? 
we know that. We we know how many people have gone and watched Barcelona friendly games, uh, exhibition games at Hard Rock, at Dolphin Stadium in the past. We know with Argentina friendlies and so on that that we, you could easily get sixty thousand people to watch these early games. I'm not saying Inter Miami are going to draw sixty thousand every weekend, right? But I think those early games. I just think, you know, you want everyone there who wants to be there, if you can, as many as you can, because all those kids going there to see Messi, they've probably never seen into Miami, right? A lot of those kids who will who'd be taken along if you were playing at Hard Rock Stadium, yeah? And, you know, they go along with their parents or whatever, and they get hooked. That's how we all get into the game. You know, I grew up, my dad took me on a Burnley game in England and, 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 and I fell in love with the colours, the team and everything and it's local, the, everything, you just get this feeling for the game. And those kids are going to be robbed of that chance because they're going to be playing at a 20, 20 22,000 uh, venue. And it's just, you know, there's two billionaires here in town, Jorge Mas and Stephen Ross, who need to get sit down and put the egos aside and get a deal done on that because otherwise it's going to be a real shame, and um, and I just think a, a missed opportunity if, if they don't play at a bigger venue. So there's two things I want to touch on there because one I meant to ask you during the intro section when we were doing um, your introduction, what club team in England you support because clearly you're English, clearly you have to have a team even though you work in the sport and you're not yeah, you're not, yeah, you're not biased. It. But who are you a team of? And you you said it on your own, which I'm thankful for because. Yes, you guys can make fun of of Simon for being a Burnley fan. Have at it. Go at him on Twitter all day. Hey, watch out next year. <laughs> Vincent, Vincent Company, remember the former Manchester course, City captain? Course. Vincent Company, the coach. We're back in the Premier League, having stormed the championship. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Keep an eye on Burnley. It's a different team this year. See, just, like, just like Steve and Primo Brenner. The optimism when it comes to their club teams across the pond, it reigns eternal. Uh, now, the second part that you touched on there uh, about, you know, Hard Rock Stadium. And obviously, they, that stadium, that venue could fill more seats, could have a bigger capacity for Inter-Miami games. There's a couple things uh, at play there. One, and this is a fact, is that the Miami Hurricanes football team plays there on Saturdays, beginning right. August. So that already conflicts with Inter Miami schedule because with the new Apple deal, Inter Miami's playing MLS games every Saturday at night. So are they? Not not every week are they playing home games, but it makes it for a challenge. It doesn't make that you can consistently play at Hard Rock Stadium. Because there's a schedule so, just, just one thing on that, right? So the Hurricanes are, are home every other week, right? Mm-hmm. So there is there is some opportunity there if some. they play around with within to Miami schedule as well to make it more compatible. You could do that. The other thing is, right? Fox have MLS games as well. Not everything is exclusively on on Apple, right? Fox are putting games on on Sunday. I don't know how many they're allowed. I think it's something like thirty something over the year or something like that. Um, which games do you think they want to pull out of the Saturday schedule uh, to get the biggest TV audience they could? Which oh, ones I, do you think it's going to be? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But then, but then comes in the other play, which you touched on: two billionaires putting the egos aside. 
But this is a business, and the financial aspect comes into play here. I mean, if you, in theory, were to go to Hard Rock Stadium in your Jorge Mas, I mean, what concessions do you have to do? You have to make, you know, do you have to give up a percentage of the ticket sales? Do you have to give up the parking that Hard Rock Stadium will collect? Do you have to give up? a piece of the concessions that will be sold and or the merchandise. Like, you know, it's not like Steven Ross is going to be like, hey, you guys are free to play here. doesn't matter. I don't care. As long as we get publicity, you guys take everything home. I mean, that, well, that, that, that financial aspect is a big part of it. And sure, I'm sure Jorge absolutely. Mas doesn't, doesn't want to lose out on making as much money as is possible. Now, yes, absolutely. Could he make, you know, theoretically more at the stadium if it fills 60,000 people? Uh, yes, but, I mean, do those, a deal, those guys. Are do a deal, guys. Because there's, there's a rumor going around that I'm sure you've heard as well. Um, I, I haven't reported it because I don't report rumors. I have to get these things properly sourced. But we're having a conversation, and so we can talk about rumors <laughs> as well. With the big asterisk next to it that this is this is not confirmed, right? Or anything close to confirmed. But I've heard from a couple of different people from different backgrounds that, that, uh, that Ross and the Dolphins organization are willing to not charge a rent, right? But in return, they want um, the large part, if not all, of the the parking and the concessions, which is a lot of money when you've got 60,000 mm-hmm. people going to a stadium. I think they've got 25,000 parking places as well. So, you know, if you're paying 30, 40 bucks for parking, that's a lot of money as well. Now, I don't know how true that is, but that indicates to me that the, there could be some sort of ground where you think, right, Okay, fine. You're getting to play rent free, but there, it is complicated. You're right. It is a lot easier than than than, than just oh, let's move it to, to Dolphin Stadium because even if you could come to some sort of deal on the concessions where Inter Miami still got part of it and the parking and they split it in a in an equitable fashion or something, you still got contracts at at, at, at Inter Miami uh, Stadium with the people that drive pink who. Who've, who've got who've signed deals for this season, right? So you're going to have to compensate them. So that's more money out, and potentially, you know, legally, are you able to suddenly turn around and all the catering companies that work at Drive Pink and say, "Sorry, guys, we're not using you anymore for the rest <laughs> of this season because we've signed this great guy and we're going playing Dolphin Stadium." So there is, there are a lot of complicated moving parts in this. I would just like to see these two very wealthy and powerful men sit down around a table and work out a way for 60-odd thousand people to be able to see Lionel Messi and not just 22,000 and a drag. 22,200. I'll say this. I think at some point, and this is not inside information, this is just my sensation, my supposition, I think, uh, my speculation, I think at some point, Inter-Miami will play a game at Hard Rock Stadium with Messi. I think that's going to happen. And, you know, it could be a cup final or it could be a game maybe next year. But I think at some point we will see that happen. I don't think that every single home game that Inter Miami has will be played at Dry Pink Stadium right. over the next few years. I think at some point they'll come to an agreement. I don't know if it'll be a long-term agreement. might be just for a game here or a game there. But I think at right. some point that stadium uh, will be a, a home venue for Inter Miami, even if it's just, again, for a match here or a match there. I absolutely think that will happen. Here's a little prediction, right? And we can come back to this one in a year's time and see if I was right or not. Again, no inside information, but just a little feeling I have, right? That if they don't do a deal, guess who's going to play 
of quite a few friendly matches at Hard Rock Stadium, <laughs> inter- international wise. Oh yes, I can see that one. I can see Ross bringing Argentina to town and using his contacts that he's had in the past to get mm. those kind of games on. And Argentina come to town and hey, the Miami Dolphins will make sure you can watch Lionel Messi and we're going to put it on a very reasonable price. You can't get tickets into Miami, but the Dolphins will sell you out. The only problem with that prediction, Simon, is that World Cup qualifying for South America starts in September. Yeah. So there's not many windows left before uh, the World Cup that Argentina will have to play friendlies in. I think maybe next March. Next March could be one. Yeah. It's possible, if I'm not mistaken, if my memory serves me correctly here, in terms of what the international window looks like for the next few years. Um, So maybe there. But next summer, you know, I, I guess maybe you could have a friendly or two before the Copa America, which is going to be in the United States. So, I mean, there's, there's I guess, some opportunity for, for something Argentina, like that to happen, but not, not a whole lot. And Argentina have set up some sort of, uh, or are in the process of setting mm-hmm. up some sort of training facility in South Florida, right in North Bay Village. Right. I right. think uh, some, something's been going on there with the, the mayor of North Bay Village, who used to work for uh, CONCACAF and... Uh, FIFA and is quite involved in the game. He was a journalist before. Brent Latham, who's the mayor there, he's done some sort of arrangement with the Argentinian Federation. It's a throwback, man. Brent Latham. Oh, what an, oh, you just took oh, me yeah. back, man. You took me back to when I first was starting as a reporter and I was still at FAU and man, you just took me back. That's oof, I can't believe that's been, what, 13, 14 years now? My don't, don't think about like, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's telling me I'm getting older here as well. Uh, I still feel young, but definitely definitely getting older. Uh, Simon, by the way, speaking of the Drive Pink Stadium sta- uh, expansion, there was a report from the Sun Sentinel that the city is saying that Inter Miami might be doing that without the proper permits. So now we'll have to see how that goes. And, and has the parking thing been resolved with the city? I, I don't believe so, which raises a question as to what happens when Messi arrives and you have a sold-out stadium? I mean, these are all things that, again... This is what we're talking about, people <laughs> needing to rise to the challenge, though, isn't Exactly. It, this, is, this is what I'm saying. Like this, this, There's going to be a bigger spotlight on everything, on everything. And the decisions that are taken or not taken, it's all going to be massive talking points. I mean, not just on this podcast, just in general about Inter-Miami and the experience and going to go watch Lionel Messi play here in South Florida. I mean, it's it's all going to be part of the conversation. Absolutely. Well, you're right. The spotlight comes on it. So something something that has been going on for like a few weeks now, a couple of months even or whatever, the parking situation at Drive Pink and what's going on with, 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 the, uh, with the city um, is a pretty minor local story, right? Uh, it's the sort of story that we might see in the Herald or the Sun Sentinel mm-hmm. or whatever. If people can't park their cars and the people are delayed and there's the, 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 there's problems and issues around Messi's debut on July 21st because they couldn't get their cars in there and mm-hmm. the city get blamed, and that becomes an international story if that happens with Messi. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Which, again, you know, this is going to put a big spotlight on everybody. On everybody. And look, the last home game that Inter Miami had, it was the first one with this new parking arrangement. And from what I heard from some people is that they weren't too thrilled about the setup. Obviously, Inter Miami tried to accommodate and, you know, obviously make up for the fact that you can't or not as many people can park as closely as they could. So, you know, there's like shuttles and and different things like that to try to help mitigate that. But by and large, it was still, you know, not, not the most pleasant experience. And that, again, is in a game that wasn't sold out. 
Right. So when Messi gets here and you have more people turning out to the stadium, I mean, are you going to still be able to, to get by doing things that way? I mean, the simple solution, and this is, of course, just from us here on the outside, is just start building the park or, or getting the, the process going so that they free up that parking spot again. But, of course, that involves money and other details that big wigs have to uh, make calls on. Simon, we've been agreeing a lot. And normally on this podcast, you know, we have some back and forth. We we debate. I don't feel like you and I have debated yet. But maybe we will here. Because I mentioned earlier when Messi, on July 21st, plays with his new teammates at Inter-Miami. Well, one of those teammates that is ex- also expected to be in uniform that day, or at least on the roster, is Sergio Busquets. He's long been rumored as a target of Inter-Miami. Even going back to the spring, it was, you know, he's a player that was supposedly going to sign with Inter Miami as of months ago. Then it was like, oh, they don't know. But I heard from a source, it's happening. It's it's all but a done deal. And he will be a designated player. Not a TAM signing, not a targeted allocation money signing. If you're new to the pod or new to MLS, uh, you know, it's, it's a different roster designation. Uh, to keep it simple for you, but he will not fall under TAM. He will fall under designated player, a.k.a. a DP. I'm going to ask you first if you think that that will be a good signing for Inter-Miami. Will Sergio Busquets, at this point in his career, in a league that's very physical and has a lot of back and forth, a lot of, you could say, vertigo, um... Is that a good signing for Inter Miami? What do you think? I think it's it's a good idea to to have have somebody in the center of the field who has spent a long long time playing with Messi. Obviously, has an understanding with him, knows what kind of movement he makes, knows what he where he wants to receive the ball, and so on. I think I think it makes sense from that point of view. Will he at that stage of his career, over a two two and a half year spell? be up for it every week and be able to uh, deal with all the travel and all the rest of it. It's always a big question with any designated player signing. And this is the slight problem with, especially if I, I don't know what, what, what's the latest on Jordi Alba. Is, is that going to be the third one as well? Is that, is that happening? It's, I mean, it's, it's either Di Maria or it's, it's Jordi Alba. I don't know if Jordi Alba makes sense to me though. I don't like they have Franco Negri. So unless you're going to push Franco Negri yeah, yeah, yeah. forward into like a, a winger role, I don't really get the Jordi Alba move. I can no, I, I could understand Di, I could understand Di Maria more, right? Like I understand you need a winger. You need somebody else to help out the attack because this attack of Inter Miami is amongst the worst in the league. And Messi will absolutely catapult or improve the attack. But he needs other pieces around him to help as well, and I th- so I think Di Maria would make more sense. Although way more sense, he, he's more sense. he's being linked uh, heavily with the move back to Benfica. I'm not so sure if I fully buy that, but um, it's it definitely sounds like one of the two is going to come. But back to Busquets. I mean, yeah, I don't know if he has the legs. Look, he's 34 years old. Uh, obviously, at the tail end of his his illustrious career, can't take away what he's accomplished. From, uh... No, but this is always the problem with these debates about designated players, isn't it? It's, it's like, you know, you, you can turn around and go like, are you kidding me? You're against signing Steven Gerrard? What? You don't think Andrea Pirlo is good enough or Frank Lampard are good enough for MLS? Well, it turned 
out none of them were very good signings, right? <laughs> so they were all great footballers. They were all great players who had fantastic backstories and histories and everything else, achievements. No one questioned that what they could do at their peak and, and even after their peak. But, it, it, I mean, you know, Pilo didn't work out, did he? I mean, you were up there and saw some of that, I think, no? Yeah, it, I did. It, it, I did. The, the one image that sticks with me is, and I forget, it wasn't, what was the one app, uh, social media app? It didn't last a whole lot of time, but it was essentially like TikTok, but back in the days. I remember it Vine. being green. Vine, yes. And there was a Vine of him just like standing on the near post on a one, and this was at field level. I don't know who took this, but... Um, you know, he's standing at the near post on a corner kick and the ball comes his way and he's just kind of just standing there like just kind of like a vacationing old man. Not really putting in a lot of effort, not really trying to give it much of anything there. And it just showed like he was kind of going through the paces and going through the through the motions. Um, but with Busquets, listen, I'll say this. I think there's real questions about from a football standpoint how he will do in this league, especially on the defensive side. If he has the legs under him to play in a league that again has a lot of transitional play you know you ask any player that comes from south america not any most uh most players that come from south america or even europe and you know one of the biggest things that you hear or the most common things you hear is that there's a lot of transitional play because you don't really see teams knock the ball around from side to side and be patient it's just kind of more of a back and And forth and he's coming from from one of the leagues in europe where I mean, the reason why that's difficult is you get a breather when you've got position, right? Of course. You get, and, and, and you're able to just sort of, you know, position and ease yourself in there and the ball's gone out wide and, 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 and you have a long time without that pressure. When the ball's being given away all the time, let's be honest, that's why there's a lot of transition in MLS. So the ball gets <laughs> given away a lot and it's backwards and forward. There's so much more running to be done. Right. So he's going from one of the leagues that has the least amount of that in the world to one that one of the leagues that has the most. Exactly. You know? And, and I, so I think, look, there's real questions, there's real concerns there. If we're judging it just from a football standpoint, at this point, I would say it's probably not a good signing because I don't know if it will, if his talents and his uh, attributes at this point in his career, sus características, if that will translate well in MLS. However, this is the caveat, and I yes, I will be sitting on the fence here, if bringing Messi required you to also bring in someone like Sergio Busquets, if that had to be part of the overall package, which you know Messi said in an interview that oh no the, the other players are doing whatever you know they decide for themselves, I'm not buying that. There's definitely there's no reason there's no way that all of a sudden we might see two of or more of Messi's ex teammates playing with him at, at Inter Miami. Like that definitely has to have been part of the negotiations, part of the. The, the contracts, however they make it work. But if it was necessary to have someone like Busquets to have Messi, then it's a good signing. Because if you, you know, if it hinged on that, if it was like, well, Messi's not coming unless he gets some teammates that he's familiar with and that he's close with around him, I mean, you're not going to say no to that, right? You can't say no to that. You, you still want Messi. So uh, on that side, I would say if that was part of it, if that was, you know, a requisite, then, then yeah, it's a good signing because you're getting Messi. We'll see how it translates on the field with Busquets. Um, but what does that mean, his arrival mean, for Inter Miami's roster? Right. This is, this is a big talking point. Because if he's a DP and Messi's a DP, that means Inter Miami has two incoming designated players. 
And in this right. league, you can only have three. Right. And Inter Miami today has those three spots filled by Leonardo Campana, the Ecuadorian striker, by Rodolfo Pizarro, the Mexican midfielder, and by Brazilian midfielder and team captain Gregory, who is out with a knee injury. Oh, no, not a knee injury. Sorry. Uh, I think it was a foot injury, if I'm not mistaken. Two of those three players will have to either have that roster designation of a DP changed, or they'll have to be sold, or they'll have to be bought out. From what we know and the information we've gathered, Gregory's DP budget hit in MLS, a league that has a cap on how much you can spend, Gregory's budget hit can be brought down. So he can be removed from being a DP while still being on the roster. Okay, that frees up one slot. And that means that Messi can take that spot. But now you have to free up another one. And from what I've been told from sources, Leonardo Campana is seen as a big part of the team, at least for this season. At least for this season. So it's not going to be him. Oh, absolutely. 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 I'm just laying it all. I'm laying out all the cards there. So that leaves all eyes on Rodolfo Pizarro, who was Inter Miami's first ever big signing back in 2020. The first DP, the first, you know, relative big name that signed with the organization. I mean, he's been surplus to requirements here for a bit now. And even this season, you know, he had some moments early on, but then found himself on the bench again and he got injured. I mean, all signs to me, and this this part is not inside information, but all signs point to me of him being bought out. Of of, uh, Inter Miami using their one-time season buyout on Pizarro and opening up the slot that way. Because the the only other option is if you transfer him somewhere, which, you know, it's probably not very much of a market for him given, you know, the decline uh, in terms of his career and, and the tra- trajectory and the performance levels. So uh, I think he's going to get bought out. Again, not inside information, just my supposition, my sensation. I mean, do you agree? Is it, is it Pizarro that's going to be the odd yeah, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because Campana makes sense, right? You need to have, if you've got Messi in that team, you need to have what he's always had around him, yeah? You need to have the the Luis Suarez figure. You need to have the, the um, you know, the, the same he had with the Argentine national team. He always had a, he always had a, a nine alongside him, right? So, you you, you know, and, and you're going to be asking Campana to play that role, aren't you? I, I, mean, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I would think. I, you know, I don't think Joseph Martinez has a long future here. That's, again, my, my supposition. You know, maybe he finishes out this season, but I don't think longer term he, he has much of a, of the future here because he's someone that gets paid a pretty penny. And again, you know, if Inter Miami fills their DP spots with Messi, Campana, and Busquets, then you can't bring Joseph Martinez Although, back Although, I will say this about Martinez. Like, a player like him, if, if Messi is going to be playing where we've seen him recently over the last year or two, and he's dropping a little bit deeper, and one of his main, one of his main strong points is going to be the way he threads those little balls through gaps for people... Um, Martinez is exactly the kind of striker who'd, who'd relish that. I mean, you know, could you not see a, a, a formation where you have like Campana, Martinez, 
up front and Messi playing as a 10 behind them? I th- I mean, <laughs> could I see it? Sure. Do I think it would work? I mean, it's tough. It's tough because that means you're you're going to have to rely a lot on the other players to do a lot of the dirty work defensively. And I don't know if, yeah. if they, they, you know, again, with Busquets back there, I mean, can they? I, I think that's a tough ask. I think it's a tough ask. Uh, it's not impossible, but I think it's a tough ask. I think maybe at some point we could see that. Look, I didn't just say longer term, I don't think Joseph Martinez will be the guy to stick around. Because right. let's say he does well alongside Messi. How do you bring him back next year? You know, Atlanta United is paying a portion of Joseph Martinez's salary. Which is why Inter Miami was able to bring him and not have him classified as a designated player. But next year, if you want to bring him back, you're probably going to have to pay him DP money, and you already and have three. Let's DP ask spots ourselves. Let's ask ourselves who's going to be making those selection decisions. His old coach from Atlanta. Well, that's 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 the next point. The next point is there are, from what sources have told us, three finalists. For the Inter-Miami coaching job. Now we don't know who those three are. We were not given any names. Still working on finding those out. But you have to believe that Tata Martino is one of them. As a matter of fact, Jorge Mas said during that interview earlier this week. That they have spoken to Tata Martino. But he didn't say anything more. I mean, do you buy that it could be anybody else but Tata Martino? I mean, the other two finalists are there just you know, to to be part of the process, I I imagine. But I just had... like a week in Las Vegas with U.S. soccer telling me they spent six months looking for a coach. So I'm, I'm like, <laughs> and then decided to to rehire Greg Berhalter after all. So I'm exact, expecting exactly the same story to happen with Inter Miami. Oh, yeah, we talked to lots of different coaches. Uh, we've got three shortlisted. And, oh, surprise, surprise, it's Tata Martino at the end of it. Come on, it's going to be him. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think... We're agreeing a lot here, by the way, Simon. But I think oh, no, no, it, no, it'll no, no. be. <laughs> I, I do think it'll be. I do think it'll be Tata Martino when all is said and done. Um, it just makes sense, you know. Which is a great hire. Which is a great hire. Absolutely, Ab- for which, absolutely. I mean, someone that knows MLS, someone that's even without Messi, Messi before, that was a good idea. Someone, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he te- he ticks off and checks off a lot of boxes, right? Messi's coach. Messi's coached uh, Joseph Martinez. I mean, I doubt Pizarro will be here, but he's coached Rolfo Pizarro with the Mexican uh, national team. He's won an MLS Cup, so he's familiar with the league, and he's got enough of uh, enough stature that he'll command respect from someone like Messi, right? So right. You need to have someone that Messi's going to be like, all right, I'm learning something from him, or I, I understand and I respect his his point of view. Um, so. I absolutely think it'll be Tata Martino. Curious to see who the other two finalists are because you you know how football works sometimes, man. You know that those other two finalists could be in the mix right now and just familiarizing themselves with Inter Miami and Brass and all that. But maybe down the road, one of those two coaches, one of those two other finalists, ends up being Inter Miami head coach because they were, they came away impressed with you know what he presented yeah. and you know, it, football works in funny ways it like, does that. Happen so, like that. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Uh, I, I'd be curious to see even if you know. It ends up being Tata Martino, who the other two finalists that were in the mix were. We'll work on trying to getting that information and see if we can provide that to you listeners. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Anything If they else? exist. If they do actually exist. <laughs> yeah. If, if, they're, if they're not like, you know, the, the stewards at Driving Stadium. Um, <laughs> uh, so anything else? Because we do have to dive into some game, some game talk here, Simon. Anything else you want to touch on about Inter-Miami and the news that's come out in recent days? Yeah, I mean, I just, I just felt my instinctive reaction when, I, when stories started appearing saying 
uh, Busquets and uh, Albo were coming was like, it does feel a bit New York cosmosy, you know? Like creating, like bringing in like a group of players in their mid 30s, you know? And I, I think the opportunity with Messi, the thing, one of the things that makes me think, regardless of the individual merits of either Jordi Alba or Busquets, but just generally the idea of bringing in two players at that stage of the career, at the same stage of the career as, as Messi, basically, is this is a great opportunity to build a team for the future, that, to, to do something lasting with Inter Miami, to really bring through some young players or find some young players elsewhere to come in and be like impacted by the experience of, of playing for two or three years with Messi and then for that to carry on and into Miami to be one of the top teams in MLS for years to come after Messi has left. And it just feels like if you go down that route of, of the, you know, the New York Cosmos route of, of having three or four name veterans from, from, from a European club like that, that it might just end when Messi leaves, you know, and you have to start again and go back to where you were, and 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 the club hasn't really moved forward in that sense. So that's why that's why I was a little bit. My reaction initially was a little bit. I don't like the sound of this, but let's see what happens. You know, I mean, Busquets could come in, absolute professional, never hear a bad word about the guy. He could come in and be absolutely super and raise the level of the players around him. He might be exactly what. Players like uh, David Ruiz and uh, and Kramaski need to, to play alongside him and with Messi in front of them. So I might be completely wrong on that, but it just feels a little bit like a move that it's a bit of a showbiz move rather than a, a, than a developing a football club move. So there is one more player, and I, listen, before I get to that player, I, I think you're on the money that I think Inter Miami is going to try to capitalize on this. And look, from what I was told. This week, Inter Miami is not breaking any roster rules, and rules are staying as is right now. Now, that does not mean that in the future there will not be discussions amongst the league owners about how to maximize this messy mania, how to maximize the interest that will come. You know, I asked Jorge Mas flat out in that interview that you weren't invited to. Uh, <laughs> That, uh, you know, just speaking to people in and around the club, even before Messi got here, there's plenty of players in South America and in Europe that want to come here. And there's not just players, there's coaches, there's all different types of people that work in the sport that want to be in South Florida. Obviously right. because of the city, obviously because of the, you know, the team, the brand, David Beckham, you know, the, the, all the reasons. It's awesome. But now with Messi, that will amplify. That will increase in a tremendous way. And not just for Inter-Miami. Absolutely for Inter-Miami, but not just for Inter-Miami. Players are going to want to come to MLS. Players are going to want to be part of the whole thing. So will people in all other aspects. I mean, you listen to, to names that I've heard just about you know who might be doing commentary. And there's just all different names because there's so much interest now in wanting to be a part of the whole thing. So right. MLS, in my opinion, has to maximize on this opportunity. Has to make the most out of it. Squeeze as much lime, or excuse, as much juice out of the lime or the orange for Jose Armando from last week's uh, suggestion. <laughs> uh, squeeze as much out of it as possible, and you have to. I'm not saying you're going to abolish the salary cap altogether, but you have to increase it. You have to give teams a chance to bring in this 
influx of of players that are interested in coming to this league. I, I think it would be a mistake not to do so. And I know that there's you know uh, a collective bargaining agreement, and, and but things can change, and negotiations and talks need to be had because otherwise this will be a missed opportunity for MLS. I, I do think Messi's arrival will propel the league forward in terms of spending. I think we'll see a, a, another step taken in that regard. There is one player, really quickly, that has been linked with joining Inter-Miami. Um, and he's not a former teammate of Messi's, but he is a Senegalese forward named Matar Pape Guy. And he's currently on loan at Saragossa in Spain. Saragossa is a team that Jorge Mas also owns. And it looks like he's going to arrive, or at least it's what's being reported, from Belgian team Oestende. But yeah, yeah, uh, there we go, Ostend. See, I did my, my Spanish pronunciation. Um, you know, it's based on the initial responses that I've seen. Saragossa fans are not too high on him, um, but he would be another forward option for Inter Miami if he does arrive. He's six foot five, so a big target, a big body. Um, you know, I don't know what that would mean for someone like. Schneider Borgelin, who's also a big body and, and used as a as a reserve striker, but it's some he is someone um, that is on the radar according to reports. I don't have any inside information other than what's been reported on him. Um, I do know that Inter Miami plans to bring more than just Messi, Busquets, and you know uh, this question third player whether it's Alba or Di Maria. And I, I've been told it'll be three to five players that will be brought on as reinforcements in the coming weeks. And they'll be of all different levels. Don't expect, you know, all five players that are brought in to be of, you know, Messi, Busquets, Di Maria, right. or, or uh, Alba levels. You know, th- there'll be a range of players. So this this player, this striker, may be, may be one of those. But, all right, we've talked a lot about the news. Let's talk about some games. Let's talk about some Inter-Miami action. And let's start with their most recent game because... I like to recap the most recent game. Even if it was, what, a week and a half ago now? Uh, Inter-Miami played against the New England Revolution away at Gillette Stadium on June 10th. And Inter-Miami tied its franchise record league losing streak by suffering a sixth straight defeat, falling 3-1 to to the New England Revolution. And it was an ugly one. Yeah, Inter Miami fell behind in the 27th minute. Carles Gil scored off a penalty kick following a DeAndre Yedlin foul in the box. Uh, Matt Polster doubled the lead for the hosts seven minutes later in the 34th with a set piece goal. And then Bobby Wood made it 3 0 early in the second half after Carles Gil hit a magnificent through ball from inside his own half past Inter Miami's defense. And then Bobby Wood did the rest of the work and finished past Drake Calendar. Joseph Martinez got the late consolation goal for an Inter-Miami team that never gave up. They kept fighting. They kept trying to to get something out of it. But it was uh, another bad game, another bad performance overall. And it has Inter-Miami one defeat away from setting a new franchise record for consecutive losses. I mean, we don't have to dive into this game in a whole lot of detail because it was a week and a half ago, but I do think it serves some mentioning. So what were just your thoughts on that game? Also, we'll talk about an injury that occurred, but we'll talk about that in just a moment. 
Yeah, I was really interested in this game. Um, I, on Saturday nights, I have to I have to do, write a roundup of the whole of MLS. So I watch like, like the 360 show uh, on one screen where I can see all the goals happening around the grounds as they go in, or, or that's the idea anyway. Um, and then on the other screen, I was I was watching the, the Miami game, and and uh, what I was really interested in at the start was that midfield, because I you know I, I think the the real hope for this franchise is that you start to see a lot of young players from South Florida coming into the team, and it, it feels like it's starting to happen this year. And and so you know I think it that's a lot in there, isn't it, to have three kids from the academy in the centre of midfield playing against a team that's at the top end of the Eastern Conference. So. It was a big ask for them, and 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 you know also you're up against their one of the best central midfield playmaker creative players in in MLS at the moment in Carlos Hill. So it was always going to be a big ask, was that? And it really was, you know. Overall, you know, they can't. We've we've seen a few games like this, haven't they, where the team seem to be holding their own, and then and then something happens and it's downhill from then on. And and the the thing that happened was a an unfortunate penalty, really, on Yedlin. It was a penalty, but it, it, it was one of those that I don't know. He just got himself in an awkward position for it, didn't he? But, I think he but, was just scrambling. I think you know, I, I, it's obviously definitely on him because he, he could have done better in terms of trying his last last ditch defending. But like the team, just in general, was just uh, a mess. You know, they they weren't very organized and they were kind of all over the place. I do think the youth plays a part in that. Let's go through the lineup because I didn't mention the lineup here. I'm a little rusty here after the the international break. Um, but this was the starting lineup in a 4-2-3-1 formation. Drake, Callender, and Goal. The back four, DeAndre Yedlin, Serhi Kristoff, Christopher McVeigh, and Noah Allen. Don't forget, Kamal Miller was suspended for this game for the red card he received in the previous league game against DC United. First line of the midfield, David Ruiz and Ian Frey. Second line of the midfield, Corentin Jean, Benjamin Kremaski, and Nicolas Stefanelli up top getting the start, Joseph Martinez. Uh, so that was the team. So what you've got, Kremaski, Frey, Ruiz, Noah Allen. I mean, you've got four really young academy prospects in there. You know, talking to people on WhatsApp, not just Jose and Andrea, uh, the fellow co-hosts here on this podcast, but talking to other people. You know, it was people were making the comment that it was essentially, you know, an MLS next pro team with some MLS uh, regular starters in there. And it was definitely a young team. There was definitely going to be an uphill battle um, the entire time. You can't fault the... The the effort was there, but you know there was a lot of frustration in this game. That was one of my biggest takeaways now that I think back on it. There was a lot of frustration from early on. Joseph Martinez cut a very frustrated figure. You saw Ian Frey uh, jawing at, 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 at people... Um, yeah, you know, you saw, it, it wasn't just two players; it was multiple players that just didn't look like they were fully into the game. Like they, there was something else weighing on them, and I think a part of it is this messy mania and the uncertainty it's bringing for some players. Now, the young guys, I think they're safe, but clearly, they're trying to fight for minutes because once Messi, Busquets, and Co get here, well, there's less minutes for you to see the field. So you got to make the most of what you have to be considered as, you know, one of the, the backups or the main backups. So, um, you know, I just saw a lot of frustration. I don't know if you chalk it up to the same thing, um, but I did think that was that was curious. I mean, losing also, they've been on a big losing streak for a while, although they were coming off a midweek I think it's more Open of Cup that, game. Really. I think it's more the confidence in the team that, you know, when they go 1-0 down and it's like, here we go again. 
you know, and, and, and especially after, you know, a couple of really unfortunate games with the red card and battling for so long in that previous game against DC where the team, you couldn't fault the effort in that game, no? I mean, there was like, you know, a man down, grafting and grafting away to try and get a draw out of that game doesn't go your way. You come out, you keep it reasonably tight for 20 minutes or so, and then it's a soft penalty and you're 1-0 down. And I think I think there's just the heart and the confidence went out of that team. And maybe, you know, you're looking at that when you have a lot of kids in it. You want your senior player there. You want some leadership on the field to say, come on, it's 1-0. Let's keep it at 1-0 for the next 10, 15 minutes. Then we get after them, get back in the game. And maybe that lineup. Um, but who's the last... leader there? Who's the, who was the leader in that line? I mean, DeAndre Yellen's been wearing the arm yet, but he's not really ever been a captain type of figure. Like, to me. To me. I mean, your veteran players in that lineup are what? Yedlin, Kristoff, and Joseph Martinez? I mean, none of them really... Kristoff's a relatively new player. I I think he could be captain material. I think he could be, but clearly there's a language barrier that impedes and, and, you know, mitigates how much of an impact he can have. I think he could be captain material, you know, if he he had more time, if he, he got better with his English. But, like, there's not... I don't think there's real... Leadership. I think with Gregory's absence, they've lost a good bit of that. Obviously, Ginmota also out with an injury. Um, I think with Messi's arrival, Busquets' arrival, and the other players, I think so that, want, that will, you, that will you, help. The, the Gregory thing is like crucial to it, isn't it? Because you know you're talking about those two holding midfielders, the two sixes, Ruiz and Frey, uh, two inexperienced young players, both really, and along with Kramaski and, and Allen as well, all players who could have really exciting futures and, and have a lot of talent. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of Kramaski in particular, but but you look at you look at that and you think that's the part of the field those two sixes where you expect to have a leader there. That is where you want to have them, and that was the position on the field where had, they had the least experience. Interesting that you say you're you're a big fan of Kramaski because I'm not. I see starting points. I am not fully sold. I don't. I have bought in fully to what um, a lot of people have bought into. Just. At least till this point. At least till this point. Subject to change. Subject to change. But we can leave that debate for another time. Uh, okay. what, one, big, one big talking point from this game was Corin Tanjan. He goes out with a non-contact knee injury. And he was writhing in pain. You know, mm. When the medical team came over to him, um, you could see him clutching onto to the head trainer. Um, you know, In a lot of pain. In a lot of pain. Uh, it looked bad. It looked like an ACL injury. Definitely looked ligament, um, and that's what was confirmed a few days later by Inter Miami. He's out for the rest of the season, uh, if I'm not mistaken, with a left uh, ACL injury. So one less option for Inter Miami. The injury bug uh, strikes again. You know, I, I would chalk it up to the turf. Me personally, you know, I know there's there's plenty of debates about whether it was turf or not turf, but when it's non-contact and he's just stepping up to press, I mean, I, I would chalk it up to to turf. But that's just me. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Otherwise, we'll switch gears to this weekend's game. Let's switch gears. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to debate about turf. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I thought we stopped those 10 years ago. It, it doesn't stop. MLS still has too much turf for my I know, game. I know. Uh, all right, so Inter-Miami will try to end this losing streak in league play on Saturday when they visit the Philadelphia Union at Subaru Park. Now... One interesting wrinkle for Inter Miami is that, again, uh, temporary captain slash starting right back DeAndre Yedlin 
will be missing for this game because he's on international duty with the U.S. Men's National Team as they gear up and play in the CONCACAF Gold Cup. So the international breaks over for most teams across the world, but here in CONCACAF, here in North America, the continental, or sorry, the regional tournament will take place. So DeAndre Yedlin is a part of that. He will not be in uniform on Saturday for Inter Miami. So that means there's at least one spot to fill in that starting lineup. Who do you think it is, Simon? Do you think we will see Harvey Neville back in the mix, you know, uh, the backup right back on the depth chart, or do you think it'll be someone like Christopher McVeigh, who is versatile? Last year he played a lot of left back, even though he's not a left back. I would imagine he'd be more comfortable as a right back being right-footed than he is a left back. Um, So who do you think... Interim head coach Javier Morales goes with against the Philadelphia Union. Miller's back as well, right? In the yes. central defense. Yes. yes. So that allows you to move McVeigh out there, Correct. which seems, that seems a logical thing to do. And also, given we just talked about there being a little bit, maybe too much youth in the side at the moment, bringing Harvey Neville into that mix there it, it would only add to that problem, wouldn't it? So I, I would think McVeigh's. For a game like this, especially, you, you need a bit of experience out there because you're up against a proper team. Simon, we're agreeing way too much for my life here. <laughs> way too much, man. We need some back and forth. We need some heated debates. No, no, no. Listen, it is what it is. We call it like we see it. If we agree, we agree. If we don't, we don't. Uh, right. I imagine once we get you on here with Jose and Andrea, that dynamic will change considerably. By the way, I need to come up with a nickname for you because that's just what I do on this podcast. I don't have a nickname. No one's giving me a nickname, but I come up with nicknames for everybody. Yeah, I'm going to come up for one uh, or one for you at some point. But yes, look, they'll be playing away at the Philadelphia Union. Philadelphia Union are in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Nine wins, four draws, five losses. They've scored 30 goals, given up 19. So they score a decent amount. I think Christopher McVeigh will be the starting right back. And he will be uh, an interview subject on Thursday when Inter Miami has availability, as well as Javier Morales. Uh, I think, you know, that could be a sign of it. But just generally speaking, just looking at the matchup, I think, you know, you want to be tight defensively here. You probably want to go with a more experienced guy, even if he can't get forward as well as Harvey Neville can. So I think Christopher McVeigh gets the start at that at that right back position. Inter Miami is five wins, zero draws, and 12 losses at the midway point of the season. They're in last place. Now, they are eight points shy of the final playoff spot, currently held by DC United in ninth. So it's not unimaginable that they can get there, especially in a league like MLS, especially once Messi arrives, and and so do the other reinforcements. But focusing on this game, I mean, is a draw good enough for Inter-Miami? Would you take a draw... Simon, if I was, if you were the head coach and I was like, you know, came from the heavens and I was like, I have a crystal ball and, you know, if you want to sign a draw, then I will forecast the draw for you. Uh, would you take a draw if you're Inter Miami? On the road at the Philadelphia Union? Yes. I mean, yeah, obviously. Yeah. I okay. mean, no question about that. I mean, they were the runners up last year in the whole thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, they're a proper team. I, I mean, I think this league, there's, there's only in both conferences, there's only a, a handful of teams that I would say are real teams who have an identity, who you know what you get when you switch on the TV and, and they're going to be playing. And Philadelphia Union are, are definitely one of those. So, yeah, absolutely. And a poor run of form and all these defeats, that would be that would be like almost like a victory, I think, to get a point at Philadelphia. Absolutely. Getting a draw 
would be, I think, important for Inter Miami. It'll, it'll at least help snap the funk. I mean, it would still extend the winless run, which isn't great. Don't care. It's a but... statement draw. It's a statement draw. <laughs> you get something, right? You get something. I mean, it would it would match, and I don't know where you stand on this, but it would match the franchise record winless run because Inter Miami. Going back to that earlier six-game losing streak this year, franchise they, record. They, I mean, they, they, how long listen, does the franchise hey, been there? hey, they still they, they've tied this record a few times. You know, they, I think they did it twice, uh, where they had six losses in twenty twenty one. That's, that's in that category of stats that I, I don't even want to hear about. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, like you know. Well, listen, when they when they tied Miami FC earlier this year, that made them seven games across all competitions without a win. So it was a a, a gnarly run there. Now, Phil Neville publicly was saying that they won that game because they advanced on penalty kicks. Jose right. Andre and I don't agree with that. It was a draw, officially, so it doesn't count as a win. I don't know where you stand on that on that, uh, on that that fence, but um, but yeah, on which side of that fence. But yeah, um, anyway, so they could, they could go seven games without a victory, even if they get a draw, which would match what happened earlier this year, um, albeit though that happened in all competitions. Um, let's see. Let's see. I think a draw would be would suffice if you're in Miami, um, especially given that the reinforcements aren't here yet. Simon, what is? Let's start with the lineup. Let's start with the lineup. What do you think the lineup will be? We talked about the right back spot. Um, you know, Drake Calendar will be in goal. But what do you think about the rest of the team? Give me a formation, and we can go through the personnel together if you'd like, or you can just shoot me a, a starting eleven if you'd like. No, I'm kind of torn a little bit about about this one striker thing, yeah? Because, you know, if you're going to start with Martinez up front, I don't think he's anywhere near being like a lone striker type player, is he? I think he needs to be partnered with somebody, uh, which obviously leaves you less options in midfield. You can't play that 2-3, two, um, two banks in midfield if you do that. So I don't know. What's the fitness situation of other strikers if Inter Miami weren't going to start with Martinez up front? I mean, it's Campana who will be coming back from international duty. Right. Uh, Schneider Borgelin. So, uh, so Campana comes in, right? Is he have international mean, duty? I, mean, I think so. If, if you're trying, if you're trying to go, go to strikers, I think that's you know that, that that would make the most sense. But I think look, they're going to be defensive minded. I don't think they can afford to be offensive minded against the Philadelphia Union. I think I think that they would get exposed. Um, right. So I, I think it'll be a four-two-three-one. Uh, I mean, on the right, obviously, if you. Uh, we, the quarantine gene is out of the question after that injury. So. No, give me the back. Give me the back four. Start, so let's go, start from back to front. Let's work our way in traditional football style. Back to front. So calendar and goal both agree. Yeah. Christopher McBate, we both agree. Right center back, right it's got to be Christoph, right? Yeah. Left center back, it'll be Kamal Miller. Yeah. And then left back, Franco Negri, if he's cleared of concussion protocol. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it'll be Noah Allen probably again. Yeah. Um, he didn't so, do bad in that game. I don't recall any like you know huge errors from him. Oh. I don't recall huge errors. I just don't you know like most of the team. I don't think he covered himself in glory either. You know, I just no, kinda, no, kinda, but kinda, not kinda like, oh my god, we got to play him again. Like, <laughs> if if, if, if Negri's not fit, he he, he starts. Yeah, right? yeah. I think I think I think so. I think so. Um, all right. So you you think four two three one as well, or do you think a different formation? 
You you think two strikers? You still you you're sticking on two I, strikers. I like two strikers, but for this game, I can see maybe starting four two three one, and then and with Campana on his own, and then if it's not working, you bring Martinez in there. Okay, so I will say. So now you you jumped up to to the top. Um, if we're talking striker, I think Joseph Martinez gets to start again. He's been with the team a little bit longer to prepare for the weekend, um, and it seems like Morales has been favoring. Martinez over Campana when he's gone with one striker in the, right. in the short matches that, that Morales has been in charge. Uh, first line of the midfield. Is it Ruiz and Frey once again? I mean, is, is, are there actually any fit alternatives to those two? Uh, I mean, you could potentially start Pizarro as an eight, you know, if he's if he's fit at this point, which he sh- you know, should be a little more fit since he's, you know, two weeks further along from recovering from the injury and getting back to, to, to fitness. So he's an option. I mean, I don't know if you can start both of the youngsters again. It's you know, it, it's a lot. It's a lot on them away at Philadelphia. So you know, if Pizarro is fit and and he can, he's willing to put the work in defensively and go in there into that position. That would make sense. So let's do that. So you think that? All right. I I just don't think he has enough defensive bite. You know, I, just no, made, the, no, I, I made the no. argument for him starting there, but I don't know, and I don't know. I think you know what. Because Victor Uyo is on the way out. Victor Uyo is on the way out from what I've heard from sources. So he, I don't expect him to play there. I think it's going to be Ruiz and Frey again. I, I, that's just my my supposition, my sensation, uh, my prediction. Um, maybe Pizarro can play further up the field. Um, if you go to this, that second line of the midfield, then we're sticking with a 4-2-3-1. We've already talked about the striker role. I think Pizarro could play the 10. I think you have Stefanelli on the left. And I think Robert Taylor is the option. On yeah, the yeah, definitely. I, I think so. In. So that's what yes. that's what I think. That's what I think. The four two three one. Um, we kind of bounced around there a little bit, so maybe it's a little not as clear as it could be. But um, you know, there, there'll still be some youth in there just because Inter Miami's hurting right now in a big way in terms of injuries. Um, they need those reinforcements to arrive uh, as quickly as possible. All right, last last question here for you, Simon. What is the key to the game for Inter Miami to get a result? I think we've mentioned it, but what's the no? Key? I mean, I think I think well. I mean, they have to keep Carranza quiet and cut off the service to him more than anything. Um, he's been in fantastic form this season. Um, and um, I didn't see him when he was a player for for Inter Miami and how that all worked out. But he looks like a player for me who's not going to be in Major League Soccer for a long time. I think he, he looks like a striker who's going to, he's going to be going to Spanish League or somewhere else uh, in the next year or two. Um so you've got to cut off the supply line for him. And that supply line comes from Daniel Gosdag usually. Now, he's been away on international duty with Hungary. I think their game, um, yeah, they're done, aren't they? So the European ones are done. So he should be back. He's not He's not played in the midweek game at Orlando. I would imagine he's rested for that one and he's, he's in for the weekend. He's a really good number 10. Um, they have to cut out and find a way to keep him quiet so that, in the same way they then reduce the service to Carranza. If that isn't done, and that's coming on those two players we're talking about again, so massive test for Ruiz and Frey, if those are the two sixes, to deal with Daniel Gosdag and stop too much quality ball into Carranza around there, and, and Mikel Ure as well. So it's a tough one. It, it's, it's definitely it's, tough. It, it, and it's, you know, and, and let's see, because I think that, but, you know, if you're in these situations with young players, 
let's see if 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 Ruiz and Frey can come through this game and say, you know what, we limited uh, Daniel Gosdag, who's probably one of the best best tens in in MLS, goal scoring attacking midfielder. Um, then that's a massive feather in their cap if they can do that. You know, that's probably what Phil Neville would be telling them, isn't it? You know. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, probably, probably. Um, but Phil Neville is no longer inter Miami head coach. I saw him out in Las Vegas actually. Yeah, he's, uh, he's assistant of uh, of Canada. Yeah, yeah he was out. Now. He was out there enthusiastically. You know, getting it's... in there with John Herdman and the team and everything at the training ground. Yeah, it was good to see him back involved straight the, away. Actually. The Gold Cup final saw former inter Miami head coach. Phil Neville, as an assistant coach for Canada, go up against former Inter-Miami assistant coach Jason Kreiss as an assistant coach for the U.S. Men's National Team. So Inter-Miami, former Inter-Miami representatives were were there um, in that Gold Cup. Oh, not Gold Cup, sorry. um, The Nations League final. Um, For me, I agree with you. You know, we've talked about the defensive side of things. Um, They need to stay organized. They need to stay compact. Um, you know, if it leads to an ugly performance where they're not getting forward all that much, um, then so be it. So be it. I think I mean, you, know, you got to take your chances. It me wonder, talking about it now, whether, and I, I, don't, I don't know if Morales likes this way of playing at all, but if this isn't one of the games where, if you are, if you are wondering that that's a lot of responsibility to put on two teenagers, right, in, 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 that, in that holding midfield slots. Do you play three central defenders? I mean, you could play a back five, absolutely. I just, I don't know. I don't know if they go to five at the back. You know, I don't know what Ryan Saylor's status is. Do you have someone is. who can step out of that? Do you have somebody who can do that kind of John Stones thing and become a six and play in the middle? I don't know. Who who, who are we talking I mean, about? Ryan, Ryan Saylor would be the next center back up, but he, you know, he he was dealing with an injury as of late, so I'm not sure what his, his status is. We'll, we'll learn more on Thursday. Um, so... I just don't see them playing with the back. Because, look, Inter Miami has to focus on the defensive side of things more than the attack side of things, in my opinion. But I don't think they can also just park the bus and hope to absorb pressure for 90 minutes. I mean, they're right. going to, in moments, have to hold on to the ball. In moments, get forward just to, you know, defend with the ball. You know, that, that, that football concept. Um, you know, maybe get a set piece. Maybe get a fortunate bounce. Maybe get a deflection. Maybe get a penalty kick. You know, something along the lines. I don't think they can just sit back away to the Philadelphia Union, and with the attacking talent that the Union have, be able to just hold them to no goals. For no, 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 no. They, they're going to have to play a little bit. I agree that the owner should be on the defensive side, and that's what I think. They need to stay compact, organized, and play a smart game. I don't know if against the, Philadelphia, uh, against the New England Revolution they played a smart game. I, th- I think they left themselves too exposed. They were too frantic. They were just a little too all over the place. This game, got to keep your discipline positionally, tactically, Maybe that will be the formula that helps you get to to a victory. Um, Simon, just look at the depth chart, Franco, and like Lawson Sunderland was on the bench, um, right? Last week, um, you tell me because I haven't seen much of Lawson Sunderland, but he he looks like from age wise like those two players, Frey and, and Ruiz. Right, he's, he's, le- a, he's a second team player that was that was called up. Um, on a, on a, like a short-term loan just to help make up the numbers in terms of the bench. Uh, another player that also uh, was called up in that same way was Israel Boatwright, so a uh, player from the second team. So, they, I mean, the, 
Inter Miami's hurting for bodies right now, so um, that, that that was the reason for that. But anyway, but is, he, is he more of a six or an eight? He, he could play in that central central area, but I mean, he's not going to start over over Frey or, or right uh, or Ruiz. Um, right. But all right, let's leave it there for now. We've talked for a good while. We'll come back for a quick Q and A session and our final thoughts. We'll do that after this. Simon, your first Q&A session. Here we go. And we'll do the first one from Joseph E. He says, hopefully some Miami Freedom Park updates. So not necessarily a question, but, you know, a comment that will lead to an update here. Uh, There was an update from Jorge Mas regarding Miami Freedom Park. And that is that Inter-Miami signed a lease in February for permits and they're getting ready to start doing the the remediation and all of that in the coming days uh jorge mas used the word imminent uh when he spoke to the group of media members earlier this week that group that simon evans was not invited to (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so it, it should be starting soon not not the shovels in the ground but you know the process should be starting soon and i know that's been said um for a long time it's just a lot of steps you know it's a lot of steps when it comes to stadiums especially one like this um where you've got to uh, redo the ground and, and all the things so uh, again jorge Mas said they're going to be fast tracking everything and that they hope to have the stadium ready in the summer or fall early fall of 2025 so messi should be a part of the grand opening if everything goes according to plan if it doesn't then they're going to have to hope he extends his deal to 2026 when i guess in theory it could open if it doesn't open in 2025 um all right simon you will get a question here let's see let's see by the way on that stadium thing just a quick point if we don't end up with a situation where games are taking place at hard rock and people are upset and frustrated that they couldn't get into the stadium to see Messi when he came to Miami. One of the reasons will be the years and years spent trying to find a stadium for this franchise in Miami. And a lot of the blame for that situation would have to go on the politicians who put obstacles in their way for years before even the franchise existed and afterwards. So I think that's a point that needs to be made. Well, you just made it. So here's your question. This one's for you. Comes from first time asker, if I'm not mistaken. Big deal department. Does Messi coming to America start to change the perception of MLS across the pond? Interesting question. Go ahead, Simon. This was all yours. Uh, does he change the perspective of MLS uh, around the world? Um, possibly. Uh, it can work both ways, can that? Um, on the one hand, if Messi comes in and uh, and there's good players around him and plays in a thrilling MLS Cup final in late November, and everybody's excited, and Messi scores two goals, but it's a tough game where he really had to work and everything like that, then people around the world will say, hey, you know, it's not that bad, that MLS. The danger is, of course, that Messi coming shines a light on you, whether it's a good light or not, yeah? 
And so if things don't live up, if Messi, if it's too easy for him and he scores loads and loads of goals with bad defenders who just can't keep up with him, or if he loses interest and it becomes one of those, you know, uh, Frank Lampard, Andre Pirlo kind of deals, which I really, really hope it isn't going to be, uh, and I don't think it will be, um, it can work the other way. It could reinforce negative stereotypes about MLS. But overall, I think um, if he does attract other players to come in as well, it's going to help. It's going gonna, it's gonna to boost the profile of, of MLS. But is the quality going to be there that people around the world are going to want to watch it? Is the interest level going to be there? I don't know. And also, does it really matter that much what people around the rest of the world think about MLS? I mean, I know people get hung up about this a lot in America and get really upset when they hear people talking about, oh, it's a retirement league or it's this or that or the, the barbs and jibes that get thrown around you know, on social media from people in England and elsewhere. Does it matter? What matters is that Americans tune in and get excited about MLS and it will certainly help that. Uh, I will say, look, Jorge Mas said... I won't do it to you again. I've already done it like three or four times on this pod, so I won't do it again. But in that uh, interview he had with uh, Select Media earlier this week... All right, tell me about that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he did say that he thinks Messi's arrival could make, you know, could propel, uh, could propel MLS to being, if not the best league in the world, one of the top two leagues in the world. Now, is that... Yeah. Uh, is that um, no, you no, know, no. Uh, 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 a step too far? Yes. Probably a few steps too far. But, I mean, the league can absolutely grow. And I do think it matters. I do think perspective uh, or, or perception of the league matters. Because that, that's how the league will also grow. Right? It needs uh, to grow here. It needs to oh, grow here. Absolutely. But, that, but that, you know, the perspective also matters. Not, not only across the pond and in South America, but also, but also here. And I think it all, all plays, in, plays a part and it all plays a role in, in it all. Um, so... That's what I would say with regards to that. We'll, we'll leave it there for the Q&A session because we were going long on this pod. You know, it's your introductory pod, so no problem. But we are trying to shorten these. And we are going to video very soon for you listeners um, who want to see our beautiful, beautiful mugs. Just kidding. I mean, but we are definitely going to video um, sometime soon. All right. Final thoughts, Simon. You can talk about anything you want. It doesn't have to be Miami related. It could be about whether you had fun on the pod. You could talk about something in your personal life. It could be about that one time we partied in that random bar in Philadelphia. Whatever you want. <laughs> I was talking about that earlier. <laughs> really? Oh, nice. Um, we were partying with your missus, too. Uh, so whatever you want, the final floor or the final thought, the floor is yours. No, my final thought is that this, this team that's waiting for Messi to arrive, they're in a weird position. And I do feel a little bit of sympathy for some of those players because, like you say, some of them probably won't be around for this ride with Messi. And so it does create a, a, a weird situation where they have to go out to, to, to get results at the moment and mm. try and put the team in a position that when Messi arrives, they've got a realistic chance of making the playoffs. So they need to start picking up some points before the League's Cup starts. And and they're doing that, some of them wondering if they'll even be at the club. So it, it is a difficult position that some of them are in. So I'm going to be watching out for that over the next couple of weeks and saying, seeing who are the players who are really, really putting it in and putting it on the line and, and sending the message to Javier Morales or Tata Martino or whoever might take over the team. 
I'm somebody you need to keep around when Messi's here. I think that's going to be something that's going to be fascinating to watch in the next couple of weeks. Well, Simon, that does it for your final thought and most of your contribution here to your first appearance on Miami Total Football Radio. Did you have fun? What did you think? Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I really did. I enjoyed it. And there's a, there's a lot to talk about. And there's going to be there's going to be it's, it's, this great thing about podcasts, isn't it? You the, you can respond to what's happening every week and and go into detail on it and stuff. And and there's going to be so much happening around into Miami. Good, bad, controversial, frustrating, exciting. You know, I mean, the best player in the world is coming here, so it's 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 going to be an incredible time. I'm going to be as honest as I always am. Simon, normally with co-hosts or guests, the first time they come on, like, got to feel each other out, got to figure out the chemistry. I think it's been remarkable. I think, um, you know, obviously we've known each other a good long time. We've talked about football. We've talked about life. We've talked about all different types of things. So, obviously, we have an understanding there. But I think the chemistry here was good. And I think, you know, it was great. And you're definitely welcome to come back on as more of a regular, regular guest if if it's in your plans or if it's in your schedule permits um, no i'd love to I'd yes love to. especially if you want to be part of those future select media in- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, i might have blown that again now <laughs> uh, but my my final thought my final thought is on romeo beckham who news kind of flew under the radar there a little bit during this international break i think it was planned to happen during the international break but he is no longer a member of inter miami he has been transferred to Brentford, uh, well, the second team, and will be a player of that club for the foreseeable future. No longer on the books at Inter Miami, whether it's on the first team, second team. Well, he's never on the first team, but on the on the second team. So Romeo Beckham's days in South Florida are done. You know, you could say he started his career here, he launched his career here, but uh, aside there from there might be a buyback clause, though. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what the percentage is there? Uh, but, you know, besides one appearance for the first team in the friendly against Barcelona last year, didn't really ever play. It didn't play for the first team. So, um, you know, never really got to speak to him either. You know, got to say hi to him. Seemed like a really nice uh, young kid. Um, would always wave and say hi and hello and, like, have a smile on his face uh, at the training facility. But he was never made available to media, despite the fact that all his other teammates were. Obviously, there you go. That's the David Beckham effect for you. But... That does it for this week's show. Hope you guys enjoyed it with Simon, our potentially new English resident in the house. Um, I hope you guys had fun listening. I hope Simon had fun. Probably not as much fun as I had this past weekend. I went to the Fade concert. If you don't know who Fade is, reggaeton artist from Colombia. Whoa. I've never done this before. I went to a show on Friday and I had so much fun that I went back with my best friend on Sunday to the second show, which was the final show of his U.S. tour. Um, and we had a an absolute blast, an absolute blast. If you're into reggaeton um, and you don't know who Fade is, get on it because uh, he's a burgeoning, burgeoning star. Uh, the, the Ian Frey of reggaeton. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but that does it for this week's show. We'll be back again next week to recap this match against the Philadelphia Union and talk about all other Inter-Miami topics that pop up between now and then. Maybe we'll finally have an official Messi and Friends announcement because he is coming with two other players. Those three jerseys, pink jerseys, were posted by Jorge Mas on Twitter earlier this week, so sounds like an announcement for those three uh, is imminent, is imminent. So... 
For Simon Evans, I am Franco Pinizo. You have been listening to Miami Total Football Radio. We'll talk to you guys again next week.